Welcome to NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. In this podcast, Kathy chats with Animals of Distinction artistic director and choreographer Dana Jenkra during the NEC presentation of her newest multimedia work, Frontera, which she hopes will generate dialogue around important issues of our time. Welcome back, Dana Jingra. Oh, it's such a pleasure being here. I'm so happy to have you and Animals of Distinction back in Ottawa. It's really, really wonderful. We've yes. had a long history together Very as long. presenter, producer, yes, and yes. choreographer. I think starting in 1996. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that was at the Canada Dance Festival, but even before we were talking, That's right. we were working together when I was That's briefly right. in Vancouver. Yeah, Poetry and Apocalypse, That's the right. first Holy Body Tattoo piece. That's right. Yeah. I think we brought you in to do some crazy locations uh, when you were doing, when you and Noam were dancing with Holy Body Tattoo yes. in the early Yes, 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 yes. Well, that's good. It's great to welcome you back. It really is with your newest creation, Frontera. Mm. Uh, for those of you listening, we had the uh, first show of Frontera last night mm. and the second show tonight. So by the time you're hearing this, you'll have missed it, but do catch it elsewhere. What a fantastic piece. Oh. I hope you were pleased with the performance. We were so happy with the performance last night and uh, also the audience response was really wonderful. I felt they were with us all the way. So it fantastic. was very exciting. Well, you've, you're a very dynamic artist, a creator, performer, musician. I think I read once that you wished that you really had been a musician, but uh, you ended up being a choreographer, which we're very happy about. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, I mean, my first love is really music. I, I wouldn't say that I'm, uh, uh, you know, have any uh, ability as a musician, but I love music and I've always been part of the music scene, especially growing up in the UK. I did high school in the UK at the time when punk first kind of uh, broke through and I just had a love for music ever since. Uh, Were you mostly dancing in clubs and hanging out in yep, that scene? exactly. Now, you ended up in England, but weren't you You were born in Canada? I was born in Fort St. John, B.C., little small town I've in been there. northern British Columbia. I don't know why I've you would there. want I to... was on tour with a small dance company, okay. yes. And we left when I was uh, three, and we moved to South America. My uh, Now that I think about it, my parents were, I don't know, crazy adventurers. It wasn't sort of the diplomatic role of one no, of your parents? No, it wasn't like uh, diplomatic. Okay. It was just following, uh, you know, possibility of work outside of Canada. Okay. My parents just wanted a different kind of experience and opportunity and so we landed in Argentina. It's a pretty we, wonderful place to land. I yeah, imagine. Patagonia. So we were in the south and uh, unfortunately we had to leave there when the um, military coup happened. So okay. from there we were kind of aimless for a while and then we landed in the UK. So... And what you so you went to elementary school or equivalent in the yeah, UK? Yeah, uh, no, elementary school in Argentina. So Spanish was my first language. I actually had to have a tutor to teach me how to speak English. Do you still speak Spanish? A uh, little. Yeah. I dream a lot in Spanish. Oh, that's it's really funny. I've heard others say that about yeah, their first language. You know, Very when I kind of like search for my French, Spanish always comes up first. Do you think that sort of eclectic background? Because you're a very eclectic artist. You're mm -hmm. not just a choreographer or just a filmmaker or just a storyteller. You're a mix of all those things. Do you think that the eclectic background sort of fed into the multi- disciplinary nature of your artistry? I think so, because I sort of, I really love and treasure liminality, the edges, possibility uh, into these gray zones. So I've never been comfortable being siloed as just a dance artist or, you know, just being Canadian. I like this kind of fluidity of identity and possibility that exists by working as an outsider. 
How did dance discover you, or how did you discover it? Uh, I was a bit of a wild child, so I think <laughs> it was uh, necessary for me to like wear off some energy. Uh, so my, you know, mom put me in ballet very early on. But I had two left feet. I think I probably had some kind of uh, learning disability and being left-handed, and I just didn't fit in. But I loved it. I loved dancing. I would put on shows at home all the time. Uh, and as a teenager, I went into competitive swimming. So that kind of really gave me discipline and, you know, gave me the ability to really know how to push my body. That training is rigorous. It, it, I've been very around rigorous. lots of kids who are in that. Uh, it's incredible. And then yeah. came back to dancing in my late teens. So it just... So what was the path between that and forming Holy Body Tattoo in the early 90s? Uh, as soon as I decided to come back to dance, I got a scholarship with EDAM in Vancouver, Experimental Dance and Music. And so I had a scholarship with them for nine months and I got to do all of these incredible contemporary dance, uh, contact improv, postmodern classes. And at the time, like Steve Paxton, Lisa Nelson, artists like that were coming through <laughs> EDAM. So I got this great uh, training with some of the pioneers of the postmodernist movement. Uh, and then after the nine months, there was an audition and I auditioned and got into the company. So I was a company member at a very young age between uh, 1987 and 89. I probably wasn't ready to be in a dance company, but you know, it was the best way to kind of learn and be thrown into uh, this work. So you were doing the works of some pretty important Canadian choreographers, not a lot of whom are necessarily known really. I mean, that, that was a very, EDAM was a very particular kind of collective, seven, six choreographers, one composer, musician, very, uh, very influential I guess still on the scene in yeah, some ways. Yeah, it was very exciting at that time to sort of find myself at the Western Front uh, amongst all of these incredible, very diverse artists too. Their styles were very different mm -hmm. from Jennifer Maskell to Peter Bingham, Lola McLaughlin. Uh, so it was... Kei Hirabayashi and Barbara Yeah, Bouger, that's right. They actually, I think, yeah. had gone on to form Kokoro by the time I, okay. I joined the company. Mm. So what an amazing training, learning ground to be with all these different artists and different uh, perspectives. And it was at the time when Lola had just come back from being in Wuppertal with Pina Bausch. And so she came back with all of these incredible ideas and uh, things that she was kind of gleaning from Pina's process and I remember that just really stayed with me. Um, I was like, wow, what is possible? It's, it was completely outside of uh, what was known in North America at that time. That's right. The, the transmigratory nature of dance practice, yes, isn't it? Yeah. Because, of course, you had your own relationship with Pina that came later, which we'll get to in a yes. second. But how did you run into Noam Gagnon? Well, we were both at the audition. Uh, uh, he had graduated from Concordia University and was out west tree planting. <laughs> and we Like were, all good Quebecois dancers. Yes, exactly. And uh, we were <laughs> both at the audition and we kind of immediately uh, eyed each other and spotted each other and uh, you know serendipity took care of things we both got accepted into the company and immediately bonded and were known as uh, basically the terrible twins <laughs> uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, respect and you know we were pretty we were pretty uh, rebellious but we had a good time and of course out of that time together we were sort of inseparable and uh, went on to form the Holy Body Tattoo which had an incredible success story really yes, did it, I mean you were a company for what eight 
nine years, something like that? Um, from uh, 92 to, I think our last performance was in 2007 at the Sydney Arts That's Festival. really significant. With Our Brief Eternity, which actually we did at the Canada Dance Festival, premiered 1996. So mm-hmm. that piece toured for 11 years. That's amazing. I mean, really, there's not that many companies that can, can say that, particularly when the creators are also the performers, because yes. <laughs> it's a rigorous and enduring work. Yeah, it definitely And yeah. I think it's also important to underscore that really, you know, outside of Canada, Holy Body Tattoo was one of the first companies, besides everything that was going on in Montreal particularly, mm-hmm. that people were noticing and talking about. I know that because I was starting to travel a bit at the time and mm-hmm. people were like, who are these Holy Body Tattoo folks? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a real um, testament to the work that you and Noam were also doing. You were always curious and always hungry and showing yeah. up everywhere, not just to perform, but to see. And that was a very unique quality mm. that you brought to your to your exploration, your curiosity. Well, I think too, it was like uh, following in the kind of ethos of the way that bands toured. Uh, I, I toured with a lot of bands and uh, again, that connection with the music world, it was like, well, we can do this this way. It doesn't have to be done always like waiting for a grant or waiting to be produced. Let's go out there and just be present and uh, make possibilities happen. And we we did, you know, just uh, sometimes living on apples and baguettes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, we had a great uh, project with the two of you in 2005, um, which was the first iteration of Monumental, Mm -hmm. which we then were commissioning with a young sort of high school university audience in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about that project and how it came to be remounted uh, just recently to great success. So the original version of Monumental uh, had been in gestation for many years, actually since the beginning of Holy Body Tattoo, but we as a company never had the resources and finances and ability to really do a large scale work, which was for Nine Dancers, and it was the first work that we actually didn't appear in. So by 2003, and with this uh, commissioning through the National Arts Center and the CGI, CGI, right, Mm -hmm. uh, that made it possible for us to make this large-scale work. So the work happened, I think it was February 2005. I remember we we premiered here in Ottawa, and then the work had a Canadian tour, and it only went to Los Angeles outside of Canada. So it had a short life, again, because our company, it just wasn't sustainable for us to get it out into the world. But through that connection in LA, that was David Sefton, who was programming at the time, he always had this kind of, again, another music uh, sort of lover, had this dream of the possibility of having Godspeed performing live in the work. But of course, Godspeed had broken up at that point. Who because they were the ones who wrote the score. You wrote got the, the, score, the score, exactly. The and so record. then when they came back together again in 2015, 10? <laughs> I, I can't remember my years. We're looking at cue cards. <laughs> anyway, uh, they, they got back together and then there was this possibility of, oh, let's relook at Monumental, but this expanded version with the band playing live. And uh, thank goodness that my uh, very persistent producer and agent, Sarah Rogers, just kept kind of poking at them uh, year after year, trying to see if they would agree to it. And then eventually, one day, they agreed to do the dance thing, as they called it. So <laughs> the rest is history. And we premiered in uh, 2016 at the Push Festival. You have an amazing ability with that piece and, and with many of your projects to really 
really attract a completely different audience. Mm. I still think, you know, here we are in 2020 and still kind of trying to explain what contemporary dance is to people. It sort of boggles the mind. But I do feel that when you when you remounted Monumental and you had the band live, mm. you tapped into a whole other generation, a whole other possibility of people who were going to be in the audience. Did it feel that way to you all the time? Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, it felt more like uh, the atmosphere was more like a rock concert and there was people seeing contemporary dance for the first time and that they had a very positive experience. They were actually coming to see the band, but then this dance thing was also happening, as they called it. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so we got a lot of people converted uh, to really loving contemporary dance. And then for contemporary dance audiences, uh, a lot of people, it was their first time uh, experiencing Godspeed You Black Emperor. So it's such a k- amazing kind of hybrid possibility there. And I love that. I love creating for um, audiences that aren't already converts, you know. Like, I don't want to just kind of preach to the converted. I want to get new audiences in and excited about the possibility of contemporary dance. Well, you've certainly done that also with this new work with Frontera, mm-hmm. bringing in Fly Pan Am. And let's talk a little bit about that. You had this experience with Godspeed and then there was the possibility of doing something else with another live band. Was it equally sort of having to poke poke the bear to get that involved? No, not at all. I mean, Fly Pan Am are all really, really old friends uh, that I actually met originally through getting the securing the rights for the Godspeed music for Monumental back in 2003 because Roger Tellier-Craig was a member of Godspeed at that time. And so, uh, but Fly Pan Am have all been really good, close friends. And then when I heard that they were getting back together again, because they were on a 15-year hiatus doing a bunch of uh, very, like a, you know... We can't see that for dance companies, right? You can't just go on a 15-year hiatus. hiatus. (laughs) And so they were coming back and they were uh, recording a new album. And I thought, okay, this this is a great possibility to see if they were interested. And it's just been incredible working with them because we've really worked from the ground up in the room with the dancers, the band live, really making, tailoring the music. Uh, for Frontera, so... But this is this is something very unique to you, I think, Dana, that you, with your curiosity and your interest in, you know, not only live performance, but film and visual mm-hmm. art and music, you don't just approach a work from the point of view of the movement. I mean, do you see the work in all of its elements before you even get in the studio? Maybe not the finished work, but in terms of the influences that are going to contribute? I definitely see the work in terms of the conversation that can happen between all of these elements. And I'm interested in investigating a subject. In this case, with Frontera, it was borders and frontiers and boundaries and surveillance technology. And it's like we all come to this subject uh, from our different perspectives, and that's what I can see. I see that possibility, and out of that, the body is the center, and what moves us, what moves bodies, is sort of how we all approach the work. It must be fascinating for you also to be putting this work out in the world at the time when the conversation about refugees and walls and border crossings, I mean, you started the work when that conversation was at a particular place, and now it's advanced, you know, quite yeah. Rapidly. It, exactly. It just it keeps unfolding. And I think with uh, climate change and the crisis here, there's so much uh, migration that's happening and displacement because of uh, this condition on the planet. And the work feels very uh, prescient and very important right now. And 
for me, always the the intention of making a work of art is that it creates an opening in the world, on the planet. So I feel like this work has that possibility and it creates dialogue around really important uh, issues of our time. It's always um, a bit frustrating, I think, for dance that it disappears so quickly, though, mm-hmm. you know, because there's, there's the sense of this work having such an importance in the world conversation. I, I mean, I hope that the work can go to a number of different places. Have you found you've been in Sydney, you've been in Berlin, you've been in Canada. Has the conversation been different or similar before different audiences? Uh, well, when we went to Sydney, of course, it was at the height of the, you know, fires uh, there. And Sydney was just enshrined in black smoke, people walking around wearing, you know, uh, masks. So there was a very particular read on the piece in Sydney. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, this idea of like even uh, not just humans, but creatures uh, being displaced uh, in the kind of uh, emergency situation that Australia was in definitely uh, changed the reading of the piece. And that for me is it's so tragic what's going on. But the fact that the work can take that it's kind of it acts as a prism for these different uh, situations to be read through, uh, it becomes this lens for what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. And what about when you took it then to Vancouver and Berlin? Well, uh, in Berlin, it was very interesting because we were performing at uh, Howe at the Hebel, which is very close to Checkpoint Charlie, mm-hmm. the remains of the wall. It's uh, Last year was the 30-year anniversary of the wall coming down. So, you know, that kind of ghostly presence of the the remains of the wall definitely, again, enters into the audience's psyche and becomes part of the reading of the work. And yeah, in Vancouver, uh, I think then the work uh, also was read, uh, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, indigenous land claims and... You know, there's so many things found in horrible situations going on that. Yeah, it's it's really uh, that's what you know. You just want to capture those things. Yeah, I I I don't know how we do that with dance. Really, as I was saying through film, you're still in a situation where the experience in the theater is absolutely the most important experience. And you also had another very critical collaborator for this, and that Mm. were the gang at UVA. Mm -hmm. Tell us about United Visual Artists. That was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, what a joy to work with uh, such uh, incredible artists and so thoughtful and precise and I love their minimalism that was the thing I appreciated the most when we did a residency at uh, Théâtre Maisonneuve in Montreal uh, way back in I think 2016 Years. 16. 16, no. Uh, Let's guess that. 18, 17, one of those years. One year. uh, a couple years ago, yeah. anyway. Yeah. I'm like really losing perspective. We've been on tour for a while yes. now. 18 weeks, you told me yes. yesterday. 18 uh, weeks. So, uh, you know, we worked we worked out so many possible uh, trajectories with the, the work, and we essentially got rid of everything that would was going to be potentially superfluous and would look like a rock show and that uh, because I, that's what they mostly do they mostly do rock shows they mostly do no films. They, they started in 2003 doing a sh- uh, like stage uh, design for massive attack and they've done a lot of that but what I love is the rigorousness of their work they wanted to make sure that what we were doing was really really necessary 
in the core expression of the content of the piece. So we weren't adding in anything extra that was flashy or mm -hmm. there for just a wow factor. So it was very stripped away. Uh, but, you know, we went through a big process of trying many, many things. And then it's always uh, creating is a process of editing, taking away, taking away, taking away. And that's what I appreciated working with them. They're like such great minds and so uh, sophisticated on a visual level and being able to create this idea of phantom virtual walls and borders through light was just, uh, I mean, what a what a pleasure to collaborate on that. We, we were, many of us were speaking about how the light, the use of light, the use of lasers, the use of the this sort of strobe-like mm. effect, it's like a whole other character in the piece. Definitely, yes. And it's a character that it's kind of, a, you know, hinting at uh, invisible forms of power and oversight and control. And then as the piece goes on, I feel like the dancers have, are trying to really stay in the shadows for a good portion of the piece and not being caught by those lights. And then as the piece goes, on and they get more agency and they're, they're getting stronger through a sense of resistance, they actually move into the light and they're able to kind of really be in the light. Uh, and that for me is such a beautiful uh, journey and transformation. Absolutely. You worked with 10 dancers. Mm -hmm. How do you find your dancers? You don't have a company that goes along on a, on a full-time basis. They're an incredible group of people, very individualistic, mm -hmm. really fantastic. Uh, it took me about a year to catch past uh, Frontera and I work I started working one-on-one -on -one with dancers just spending time in the studio with them having conversations uh, getting to know them really intimately because once you start getting into a big group setting you lose that connection so it was really important for me to kind of uh, build those uh, kind of threads with each individual dancer and then I would start bringing in like maybe two three at a time see how they, they would interact so I slowly built up the group to 10. It's interesting, too, because when I think about your history, you know, starting with, let's say, Holy Body Tattoo, besides being a dancer with other companies, performing two of you on stage, sometimes three mm. of you on stage, and then you mentioning that Monumental was the first ensemble work. So now you're really in this place with Frontera mm. and probably with future projects where you are really the choreographer director mm -hmm. of, a, of an ensemble. Yeah. You're not in that work. That, yeah. So the relationship to the work must be fundamentally different. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not dancing? <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I love being on the outside and I love uh, bringing a group of people and collaborators together and empowering people. And, you know, my aim is to give people as much agency as possible in a process and I just I absolutely love that uh, role and as a work gets formed I feel like in the beginning of creating work I'm sort of at the center of it it's like all in my head and then slowly as it develops I kind of step further and further back to this point now where I feel like I'm almost invisible and that for me is my job is to you know just keep uh, stepping further away so that the work kind of lives on its own and everyone that's involved in it carries it and it belongs to them. It's not just my work. It's, that's 
I would say that there's probably many choreographers and artistic directors who would have a different approach than that. So that's, <laughs> that's quite beautiful because you balance that out with also individual projects, film projects. So you're kind of feeding, mm-hmm. I don't know, both sides of your personality, your soul by yeah. doing some of these other smaller, I guess, or more site-specific work. Yeah, I like doing also like very small experimental works because then it allows me to just explore ideas without obviously... Frontera, there's a, a lot of pressure. It's a large-scale work. There's a lot of uh, support and finances involved. So, you know, there's pressure to kind of deliver something. So it's not the place to be, you know, 100% experimental. It's the place to take experience and then really coalesce it into, uh, you know, kind of finely honed, finely tuned uh, work of art, where the experimental work allows me to just kind of, uh, you know, really try things and go out on a limb. And I need to be able to challenge myself, too, and be in that place of not knowing. Because, of course, the unknown is where the real creativity starts to kind of percolate. I think people people don't always realize that with dance, really you have to be there, even though you've just said you step back. Mm. I mean, for example, would you be able to be touring your solo project with monitors at the same time as you're touring mm. uh, Frontera or one of these other projects? Like theater works very differently that way. Yeah. A script can go yeah. out to different performers. Yeah. So yeah. you're... You're very integral to to each of these performances in some way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm curious about with time, you know, if, you know, there's enough performances of Frontera and, you know, I've got, I work with an amazing rehearsal director, Sarah Williams, who's just... uh, Incredible. It's just incredible. And so there's a a huge amount of trust there. And so I'm even stepping further away and really letting her kind of, as we have been on the road uh, this past month, you know, take over more and more. But then there's details that only my eye I know sees. And I kind of am there to make sure that those details are in place. So I don't know. We'll see. It might be an experiment. At some point, I can maybe not be totally attached to the baby. and uh, <laughs> It's hard, though. The baby be- can grow up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Before we leave Frontera, I'm just curious, what, what would be the most important thing for you that audiences would take away from seeing that work? Uh, I think uh, a connection to their own bodies always was my work and a connection to their visceral emotional uh, experience, which might be uncomfortable. It might not be a comfortable experience, but that they're present, like the work takes them in. And uh, again, it's about creating possibility and it's an opening. So I hope that audiences can they feel something, they come out of it, they've experienced something, something that they can't by looking at their phones or, you know, engaging through uh, something that's not live. I want them to really have the, it's like an excitement that gets created uh, through the live experience. Uh, It's actually experiments that are being done now that only through live uh, performance, uh, do certain kinds of endorphins get released? Oh, wow. That even like, you know, playing a game on your phone can't do. So I think that there's just something uh, in the live experience. It's an exchange. It's communion. It's like going to church without you know, religion. Mm-hmm. That's what it is for me. I think also that particularly with this piece, people take away, this is what the buzz that I mm. heard from our audience is, people take away something about the images. They see those images in the news, perhaps, or mm. they relate the same thing that they're seeing on the news 
to the show, but somehow because they're alone in the dark mm. with that work right in front of them, those images take their breath away. And it particularly, oh. I don't know, that's what I heard. People were like, oh my God, that reminded me of this or it reminded me of that. Oh, or what about that news story? Or It's very... It's very current. It's that, very live. That is really that that couldn't be better. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I like. That it can can live on because to me the works of art that have really moved me. It's the and sometimes I don't necessarily I can't say that I like them, but they stay with me and they won't leave me. And they're like they've accessed a part of my psyche and they keep working away, you know, on some level uh, inside of me. They got into my body. We talked earlier about uh, Pina Bausch and the influence, and I had a great memory recently because I was in Wuppertal of mm. when you and Holy Body Tattoo went uh, to Pina's festival, and I remember you saying that was an experience also that was very life-changing for you. Do you have a, a good memory of that? Time? Oh, it was incredible. We performed Circa, uh, you know, in the theatre where she's performed all of her works, so I just felt like I was, like, stepping into Holy Land, you know, on that stage, and uh, yeah, and to be, I think, seen and recognised by an artist of that caliber was uh, was really um, I don't know a huge transformative experience. Uh, I, I, I it's hard to even know how it changes, but the the act of being seen or validated on some level just it gives you permission to believe in what you're doing. I'm sure people feel that way about you. No. I mean, I really do. And I'm I'm curious. Like, so you're you're very hungry. How do you keep finding? the new media or the new technology or the new things you want to talk about? What's the work that you do, your own research to go and grab whatever those mm. new influences are for you. I mean, of course, surrounding yourself with the Pina Bausch's of the world mm-hmm. is a great experience. But I mean, the world itself, I think, just the interactions with people, interactions with uh, people in my neighborhood, interactions with the world, interactions you know, through reading. Uh, I'm just very, very curious. I have like a stack of about 40 books beside my bed and I know that I'm just never going to have enough time to get through everything that I want to absorb and take in. I think it's just a massive curiosity and hunger and love for life. And through this uh, art form, I get to experience the possibility of expression and that just you know keeps me uh going i just i feel like things are constantly changing and we're living in a world that's evolving so fast and moving so fast so just trying to keep up with everything is is massive you are also a master trainer in gyrokinesis Mm -hmm. tell us what gyrokinesis is a gyrokinesis gyrotonic Uh, (laughs) it's a system that i got into i um tore my acl my knee ligament uh, performing with uh holy body tattoo and (laughs) what a surprise yeah what a surprise (laughs) i think we were performing in new york and i was out of dancing for a year and so as a way of rehabilitating I discovered gyrotonic in New York, which is this incredible system, three-dimensional movement system. And uh, I walked into a studio to do a session, uh, hoping that they were going to be able to help me with my knee. And I knew within the minute of walking into that studio, I was going to teach that system and I was going to do it for the rest of my life. A true and epiphany. I am. So I, I also travel all over the world uh, teaching teachers uh, this system. This is amazing. And and through you and our uh, outreach and education teaching artist, Sean Ed uh, Watkins, that system has now come to oh, Ottawa. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's fantastic. So does that make your approach to movement 
something particular and unique when you're creating? Uh, I think it's brought me into a place that's I work in a very organic way. I call it uh, emergent structures because uh, jarotonic gyrokinesis is dealing all with spiral energy, which is really the natural energy of the universe. Everything grows in spirals. Uh, I think there's something about how I work now that is very, very fluid, and I'm waiting and watching for certain patterns to emerge. So I'm never imposing on the dancers. I'm never saying, let's do this choreography like this, and these are the movements you're going to do. I I propose a lot of things. I, I instigate a lot of things, and then I just wait and watch, and I... The piece emerges and it it builds and I guess it's akin to some kind of spiral formation. But is it important for you that the dancers train? Like, for example, Ohad Naharin mm. training his dancers in Gaga. Is there a direct link between that training and what you want from them in your work? Uh, no, I haven't linked it in. Uh, I, I, I'm sort of keeping those two things separate for now just because it's it's a lot uh, and we're a small company, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just trying to keep things agile. So when I'm in the studio, I'm really focused on creation. When I'm teaching in my, you know, role as a master trainer, then that's what I'm doing. And uh I know that they speak to each other because, again, the body is the central uh, component there. Uh, you know, maybe one day down the road, a movement system will evolve out of my my work. But I think more than anything, a system of creation is emerging, especially out of uh, Frontera, this last process and working with Ruth Little. She uh, really helped me see that I have a very particular system and way of creating uh, and generating material and working with dancers. Ruth Little, the dramaturg, yeah. who's worked with many choreographers yes. whose work we presented, including Akram Khan most recently. Yeah. So, yeah, wonderful woman. Yeah. And you, you now have this process. Tell us what's coming next. You mentioned the word creation, and I know the title oh, of the movie. Oh, yes. Uh, creation, <laughs> creation Destruction. destruction. You know, nothing like a huge title, right? I'm just going to talk about Creation Destruction. Yes. Small topic in Yes, the world. yes. So this is uh, what's coming up next, uh, starting Monday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this is live, yeah. you will have started. No, I actually started uh, a couple of years yes. ago. Yes. We were the recipient of a new chapter uh, grant, and so this uh, work has uh, evolved out of the new chapter chapter um, grant and uh, yeah it's a large scale work the another Council. one through yeah. the Canada Council yeah. uh, again with live music uh, work with United Visual Artists but we're going to work uh, this time much more on video elements and again large cast of dancers uh, pretty much the whole cast of uh, Frontera and uh, it's a work that we're making for uh, outdoor stages to start with and then it'll eventually evolve into uh, you know working its way into the theater Uh, and it's a work about climate change so natural evolution from Frontera and this idea of uh, this mass displacement that's going on as a result of climate change and movement of bodies and now we're really going to look at um, how we're implicated in creation and destruction. I think the artists of the world are taking an interesting place in that discussion yes, and, I think. and lending their voices in really important ways. Yeah, and looking, you know, even at the whole of how we work in a way, how do we make creation itself sustainable? How, what choices are we making to move a work around the world? How do we offset this? So there's a lot of questions about the ecology of making, not only in the content of the work, but 
what's around the making of the work. It's challenging, isn't it? Very challenging. I mean, because we want our work to go places. We want people to see it. And yeah. just that very act is hugely important exactly. decision-making. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we've been, uh, of course, through the National Creation Fund at the NEC, been supporting artists who have big dreams and um, big ambitions mm-hmm. and uh, punching above their weight. And our involvement with Frontera has been absolutely fantastic. I'm so happy. Happy for well, you that this work has been so successful. We couldn't do it without this support. I mean, it's really it takes uh, takes a lot of uh, you know uh, support from different uh, producing partners and then National Creation Fund to make this possible. Well, we have to figure out a way for these works to live on and for more and more people to see them. So I, I appreciate your efforts yeah. around that and hope that we'll continue to be presenting your work at the National Arts oh, Center. Oh, I hope so too. It's been a great partnership. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Dana. That's all for this NEC Dance Podcast. Send us your comments and questions by email at necpodcasts at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to NEC Podcasts at necpodcasts.ca. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.